everybody, welcome back to Patriot to the Core podcast on this special episode uh, for September 29th. I wanted to do this because uh, this is the sixth anniversary of the death of Mark, my brother. And so I thought I'd have on one of my brothers, Joseph, who's with us. Uh, I wanted to have my parents on at first, but they don't really like talking about much when it comes to Mark, and so especially in, on the, in this setting. So... I think it, it will work out much better having my bro here, Joseph. So, Joseph, thanks for joining me. Hey, Thad. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> uh, it's late. It's late here for us both, we're, we're, so we're trying to, to sound perky. Uh, before we get started, though, uh, I just want to ask you to please rate the podcast, and uh, that will help many more people find it. And uh, actually, also subscribe in iTunes so you can automatically get downloaded the latest episode. They're right now they're coming out every two weeks on Monday, except obviously this episode is a special one, so it's coming out on September 29th, which is Thursday. So let's go ahead and we just wanted to just talk a little bit about Mark. And uh, so this is a different type of episode. It is about Mark and uh, some of the events that's surrounding his his death and the notification and um, just his life leading up to the military and, and maybe how life has been since. So um, I wanted to uh, wanted to ask you first, Joseph, what, how did you find out about Mark's death? Well, Thad, first let me um, tell you, I really appreciate you doing this podcast and everything you've done to, um, you know, honor Mark and his legacy and the sacrifice that he made. Um, I am somewhat uncomfortable in uh, <laughs> getting out in the open and talking about personal things. So uh, I may uh, I may not speak as eloquently as uh, you do on these topics. But you know, I don't speak eloquently. That gun. <laughs> <laughs> well. You've had a lot more practice at it than I have. I, I'm, I'm kind of like mom and dad, tend to be fairly private. But um, when I was notified of um, Mark's death, I actually, um, I had been not feeling well for a couple of days. I do believe he was killed on a Wednesday. And that week, that Monday and Tuesday, were, were the first days, I think, in my adult life that I had missed work because I was not feeling well. I, um, nothing in particular. It was all nonspecific, but just couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. And, uh, as a result, I was worn out by Wednesday. I was dehydrated and just felt terrible. And I had my wife take me to, uh, Wilford Hall Medical Center at Lackland Air Force Base. We were living in San Antonio and I worked at Lackland at the hospital. So, I had her take me into the emergency room there and I hadn't been in the emergency room as a patient. I don't think since I was a kid getting stitched up. Now you so, go all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now I've been back several times since, but she took me in, I got checked out and they started some IV fluids and uh, I was just sitting there relaxing and Patsy's phone had died and she needed to take the kids home. Now, I knew I would be, there for a while they were going to give me a lot of fluids and just get me feeling better so she was she had left to go um take the kids back to the house and then was going to come back later 
she had just swapped out when my phone rang. And um, I saw it was Dad, so I answered it. And it was, I could tell in Dad's voice uh, when he when he said my name, he asked me if I was sitting down. And I just said, Dad, don't tell me that. And he said, yeah. And he started, you know, he started choking up. And I sat up on the side of that hospital bed and he said, Mark's, Mark's been killed. And all I could think of was, you know, Patsy's leaving, doesn't have a phone for me to call her on. And our kids at that time, none of them had cell phones. So all I could think to do was, I hung up on daddy and, um, pulled the IV, started running out of the hospital like a madman. I yanked the IV out of my arm and blood started dripping across the floor. And I had people chasing me that they thought I was a mental patient, I think. And I, uh, I hit the outside door and I saw, saw Patsy going across the park and I just, I hollered at her. You know, I had, a, a crowd had surrounded me by then. I think they, <laughs> she thought I, I was seriously trying to escape or something, but anyway, she came across and uh, we we just had a moment right there in the parking lot, and I think I think we both sat down on the ground, and uh, some people came around and. So were know, were, they, were things hanging from you while you were? You know, was the uh, <laughs> no anything? no I was in a I was in a hospital gown and I'd already pulled the IV out. There was blood running down my arm from the from where the IV was in my arm, but uh, there was nothing hanging out. I was just uh, uh, oblivious to that. I was kind of oblivious, which is uncharacteristic for me of being oblivious to uh, other people around me. I tend to uh, maybe worry a little too much about the, the image I'm, I'm presenting. So to, for me to sit in the middle of the parking lot, you know, crying with my wife, that was, that, that took me by surprise. So, uh, but, you know, the folks, when they finally realized what was going on, there was a lot of, um, you know, as a military base, so they immediately started, you know, getting some assistance. It, it was no time at all before, you know, I had my boss there and I was getting, we were getting in the car driving to Halo. No, you, you, you didn't drive to Halo yet. Because... No, no, not yet. Oh, yeah, that, that's right. We, I was headed home. Um, I did not go to Haleville yet. Yeah, so you... All right, so let me let me just say from my side. Yeah. Now, you may, you may have to remind me of a few details, because I'll be honest with you, Sam. It's all a little bit blurry to me. I, um, I was sleep-deprived and dehydrated, and then I got that news on top of it, and I'll be honest. I don't know that my memory is that clear of okay. those, well, those mine, hours. Mine probably isn't either. But between the both of us, we can pick, put some things together. But I didn't know that about you. I had no clue. About uh, the I had all that. Well, to be honest, I had not told anyone. But um, I'd gotten in from work, just changed into some crappy little basketball shorts, and sat down on the couch to watch Seinfeld. And I, I don't know what had happened. Me and Roz were just about to get in an argument. For something. Oh, no. And then the knock on the door. Well, we heard that a car door shut in the driveway. So the knock on the door came. And it was Andrew Bear and Sean Gliffey. So they were 
from the 2-1 at Pope. And so, yeah, as you know, that Mark had simultaneous notifications with Mom and Dad and then with me. So they told us the news while while they were still there. Um, Dad called. Roz answered the phone. And she said, hey, there's two men here from the Air Force, and so we'll be there soon. So we up and, and you know, went to Haleville, and Roz drove, and I made a few phone calls. And you called me. What I, what I remember is you called me. And you said in this voice, you sounded like Papa, like our granddad, like a gruff old man. You said, <laughs> Thad, they've, they've, they've taken our brother or they've killed our brother, something like that. So you didn't sound good. And um, I guess it, now I know it was a combination of several things, but that's that's what I remember. And, you know, we went, we went there, and when I got there, of course, they were making arrangements for... Uh, Mark's body to arrive at Dover, and so that's when that's when Bo Bo Knight started making a phone call saying, "Look, we don't want them to fly commercial because the Air Force is going to fly us up commercially." And right. so instead, we got a private plane with some nice folks out of Haleville, Mom and Dad and me, and then Bo and Sylvia Knight, and then Barry and Sasha. I think that was it. Plus the that's right. Plus the pilot now. Now, now, Thad, I I actually do remember that. Now, I don't remember calling you at all. Um, you mentioned that the other day that I'd called you, but I, I'll be honest, I do not remember making that phone call. Um, well, maybe I called you. Um, no, I, I'm not sure. I don't remember talking to you about it. I do remember now what happened um, when he was coming into Dover that next day, wasn't he, on that Thursday? Yep. Thursday evening. That Thursday night. And I was able to get a flight out of San Antonio to Dover the next morning. And I remember it being a very early flight. And I also remember, for some reason, that was the first night I had slept in those three or four days. And I overslept. Hmm. And I woke up, my alarm blaring, and me still sleeping. And I just came out of bed, hollered at Patsy, and she jumped up, and I said, "We, I have, I'm going to miss my plane." And I remember, just like a madman, I grabbed my uniform off of the, out of the closet, jumped into the car. She drove, and I got dressed in the car, came out of the, the car at the were airport. Were the kids all in the vehicle with you? They, they were asleep. No, Lauren was was old enough. Okay. We did. They were still asleep. This was 5, 5.30 in the morning. And we took off. And, um, well, that, at least I think they were asleep. I don't remember them being in the car because Patsy was driving <laughs> very fast to get there on time. And when I hit that, when I got jumped out of the the car i was half dressed still buttoning up my shirt trying to tie my tie i got to security and they were looking at me like something was wrong and i told them where i was going and they hurried me through i had to get through but some people let me get through the line and i made it on that plane and i remember thinking of all nights to to get a good night's sleep i had to, you know i missed this and but luckily i got on the plane I, I had forgotten about that until you were just talking about it. In fact, can I ask you, did you know before Mark left that he had, was going to request a simultaneous notification? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he had told me that. I'd 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 forgotten about it, but then I guess sometime later after it actually happened, I, I remember him telling me that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and there's a whole and and a lot of this is all documented. Well, not a lot of this. What we're talking about now, but the notification process is documented in Mark's book, and how you know how they all watched the houses for a while to make sure we were mm-hmm. both home. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember arriving at Dover. It was pouring down rain. Uh, Mom was like, there's Joseph. Cause you, you, somebody picked you up and driven you there. Cause you flew into Philadelphia or something. Right. And they picked you up. Right. Someone from the base picked me up. So we carried me to carried me to, um, the, the VOQ. And I um, went in and got cleaned up a little bit. And then, you had to later, wait a while. Over. I mean, we didn't get there until yeah, like five o'clock, probably. Yeah, I was already there in the little lounge area waiting when y'all got there. I think. Well, we met you outside. It seems like you were in a vehicle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and then you know it, it was just raining like crazy, and so mm-hmm. the little <laughs> ceremony is outside. And yeah, so you looked at me and it's like, hey, it's you, gonna... you remember what I told you? Yeah, what, what'd you say? You tell me what you remember. Yeah, you said that it's it'll stop raining, I guarantee you. And I said, you're exactly right. It's going to stop raining because we need it to stop raining. That's right. I didn't think there was any way it was going to rain through that, but uh, I was wrong. Yeah, it poured. <laughs> it poured. Yeah, and it, it got harder, I think. <laughs> so it was fitting. You know, we did, you know, when his plane finally arrived, Bobby came in and Colonel Armfield and, um, yeah, we went out there and, and for the, the the short ceremony, and mm-hmm. uh, you know there were a few other there was another family there, mm-hmm. and um, Calvin was one of the bodies there, but you know, we didn't know the connection at the time, or I didn't. Did you? No, I did not. Okay, so I did and, not. And Calvin didn't have any family there, as far as we remember. But yeah, crazy, crazy time. Um, then you flew back with us on that on that plane mm-hmm. to Haleville. Mm-hmm. Um. I will say that it was an educational flight because I got to sit up front with a pilot and, you know, I got to hear all the radio chatter from all the different air- airports. And then, I, you know, at one point I could see multiple cities in the air, you know, Nashville, Birmingham. I mean, we were up so high, it was crazy. The pilot was pointing them all out to me. And I don't know if you could hear all that going on up there, but that's no, before, I... that before I fell asleep. <laughs> I think I might have slept the whole way. <laughs> so... Uh, all right, so let's let's maybe we can just skip around a little bit because maybe yeah. lighten the mood for a minute. I, I talk yeah, about Mark. Yeah. <laughs> talk about Mark. You know when he was younger, and um, you know just what was he like, and what do you remember? Well, as you know, your your memory of your memory of our childhood is much better than mine. Now, Mark was you know eight years younger than I am, but. Um, you know, what I remember most about Mark was just how he was kind of mischievous, not in a bad way, but he didn't really back down from a challenge. Um, you know, if it came time to, to uh, tackle anything, whether it be, you know, a bigger kid or, or, um, you know, climbing a tree or whatever he would do, I just remember Mark having a hard head and not giving up. Uh, he wasn't always very big. It was kind of little, actually, and pudgy as he went through his 
his teens, but I remember when he started growing taller, um, <laughs> if you remember, uh, we like to arm wrestle at the house, and I remember as he got started getting into the military, maybe it was right before he started in his military training, but he had kind of buffed up pretty good, and we arm wrestled, and I beat him, but it was very difficult, and I really think he, that's one of the reasons my shoulder hurts me to this day with that last arm wrestle. I'm back. sure, I'm sure. But, but I won, and I retired at that moment. I wouldn't give him another shot at the yeah. crown. I, I said, I'm going out a champion. You know, that's one thing Mark always brought up. He said, come on, let's arm wrestle again. And, and he may have even mentioned it the day before he deployed, and I'm like, no, brother, I have retired the family champion. You don't get a shot at this crown. <laughs> and uh, I never did give him a chance to uh, to win. But he, you know, he was kind of he was uh, persistent. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, persistent. You, you stuck to it by not letting him arm wrestle you again, and he sure did want to. I know. No, yeah, he wanted to. I remember Mark, um, you remember that boot knife that he had when he was little? No. Uh, that was Mark, wasn't it? That stabbed himself in the thigh with a leg running to the house carrying a knife. <laughs> yeah, he did. But I, 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 I don't remember him crying about it, but he he had this boot knife, this double-edged blade, and it was, a, you know, I don't know where we got it, a fair or flea market or somebody gave it to him, I don't know, but he was going through the house carrying it, you know, blade tipped down, and he ended up just stabbing himself <laughs> right in the thigh. But, uh, I don't remember him crying about it. It was a pretty deep, deep gash. He was <laughs> I, always, he was always, he was always tough. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, he had that vein that popped out in his neck when he got mad. Yeah, and he could get mad. Yeah, he did. And my son Jack yeah. has that same vein. It's not as pronounced, but he has one too. Yeah, he gets mad. Yeah. Dang. So. uh let me think. I was just trying to think of something else from the childhood, but I guess there's tons of stuff we could talk about on that. But yeah. Um. So so, Mark went out to see you. You were living in Colorado Springs, and mm-hmm. he went. Of course, we had a we had some fun trips out there. At least me and Mark did. I, I don't know if it's fun for you and Patsy, yeah. but no. Well, Patsy enjoyed it, but uh, I enjoyed <laughs> having y'all there. I was not um good on the ski slopes, so that wasn't <laughs> something I enjoyed. Well, yeah, we could we could go on and on about the the four well, that, words that you invented. Let, let, hey, let's skip that. Yeah, they they weren't really bad words because no one had ever heard them before. <laughs> but they they really did pierce the soul. They were they were pretty powerful. <laughs> well, <laughs> I felt bad. For they, them. I promise you, they did not pierce as as much as that <laughs> that mountain as I rolled down it. Oh god! And then then you said that at one point you're like, okay, I'm leaving. I'm going down to the bottom and I'll wait for y'all. And you took the lift down yeah, right. and it was like the wrong yeah. lift and you had to end up walking was, yeah. a mile yeah. in the well, boots. It, it, it was further than that. I finally took those boots off and carried them. And I kept, finally, there were these buses that kept going by me. I, they weren't labeled. I didn't know what they were. And finally, I, I asked somebody who was standing there what looked like a bus stop. I said, hey, what, where does this bus go? And they said, oh, it takes you back to the lodge. And I said, doggone it. <laughs> So I got I got on I got on it. I waited with that guy. I got on it, and it was the very next stop was the lodge. I, I couldn't have been two hundred yards away from it. It was. I've already I've been walking for I don't know half an hour, forty five minutes. I was miserable. My knee was swollen, and and finally I get on the bus. 
I could have gotten on it right where I got off of that gondola. That's funny. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I spent the rest of the evening watching football and drinking hot chocolate. I had a great night. Yeah, yeah. So we we did feel bad for you there, but uh, yeah. Of course, now I mean, my time on the slopes wasn't just just peaches, you know, but it was much now, better than yours. But you, but you got you got back into it. I know you had skied before. No, and uh, you'd never skied before, Thad. Not before going out there with you. No, I thought you had. Oh, maybe it was Mark. Mark. Had. Mark is the one that had skied when he was fourteen. Yeah, but you. You picked it up quick. That makes me feel even worse, Dad, because I thought you had experience doing it, and that I was the only. No, I thought I was the only inexperienced one there. No, I mastered the wedge. Is all I did. I just go down and just turn the yeah. skis in. Well, uh huh. That's what they kept telling me. But I weigh about forty, fifty pounds more than you at the time, and my wedge turned into a snowplow. Yeah. Well, hey, on the on the bunny slope, when you took out that poor lady, oh, I felt so bad for her. But man, it was just funny. <laughs> I told her to get out of my way. <laughs> I saw it from she didn't the, move. Me and Mark saw it from the ski lift. We saw it happen yeah, I from there. Yeah, It seems everyone saw it. Trust me. <laughs> so, hey, but, yeah, go ahead. No, go on, go on. Well, I was going to say that that uh, it may have been the next trip or that. I don't know when, but it was just Mark that was there. You may have had to leave and Mark stayed behind. Well, we were at the house, and um, me and Mark and my kids... And Patsy had gone out shopping or something, and I had I was grilling steaks some tri-tip, and I, I brought it in, and I liked you know to, to to eat the burned ends off of it. So I was slicing it up, and I went ahead and popped that burnt end in. I was chewing it and went to swallow it, and it got stuck in my throat. And I was I could still talk, and I was clearing my throat. And, and I said, Mark said, what's wrong? I said, I got something stuck in my throat. And he said, do you need the Heimlich? And I said, yeah, funny. So I took a drink of soda, and that piece of meat just went down and lodged. And um, soda started bubbling up, you know, to my back of my nose. And I was choking. And at that point, I couldn't talk. And I looked at Mark, and I gave him the universal choking sign. And he said, seriously? And I nodded my head. And he got behind me and started wailing on me, <laughs> and it did not budge. And I kept just I kept giving him a thumbs up. I keep going, and then he really got serious. And finally, that piece of meat came up, and then I swallowed. It went right back down, and I gagged and <laughs> threw up a little bit in the sink. And as I'm gathering myself and wiping the vomit off of my face, I looked up at him. I said, "Brother, I owe you one." <laughs> and I mean. If Mark hadn't have been there, I, I highly doubt one of my children could have saved me. I was looking over at the couch, you know, going to drop myself on the back of the couch, but I'd probably be dead. I mean, if he hadn't have been standing there to do that, and there, I, it had to be Mark. Mark's taller than me. He could get the leverage. Yeah, I mean, right. he really he really got it out of there. And, uh, you know, I always, I always thanked him for that. Um, but, uh, and then the... It was either, I think, the day before that when we went white, white water rafting up on the, the Arkansas River there in Colorado. Yeah, we, so uh, tell me, let's talk about You remember that? that? No, I wasn't there. Yeah, so. a, that's right. You weren't. Well, we were. We went up, and um, our guide, kind of a hippie-looking fella, long hair and kind of a uh, odd-looking character. Well, me and Mark were kind of giving him a hard time when we got on the water about it being kind of weak. I mean, we really weren't hitting any rapids, you know, and 
you know, me and Mark were just teasing a little bit about, hey, is that all you got? You know, whatever. Well, we, um, I guess he heard us because Mark was on the front left corner of the boat and I was right behind him. And we started down these rapids and I know that guy intentionally turned our corner right into it. And we hit this, this hole and the boat front of the boat went under and I saw Mark go under and I kind of leaned forward. And when the boat came out, Mark wasn't on it anymore. He had disappeared. And I was looking, leaning forward, trying to see if I could see him and he had another bump and I went flying out of that boat. It was like getting bucked off a horse. And I hit the water and, um, I mean, the current was so bad that it really, the water was deep enough to where I couldn't get my feet on the bottom to kick out of it. And I couldn't get my head above and the water was just churning and it was so cold. And there was a moment after I struggled, I remember just relaxing. And to this day, I remember in my head thinking, you know, I have always been scared of drowning and never wanted to die that way, but you know, it's really not that bad. And I kind of just relaxed and I thought this is where it ends. And about that time, the life jacket worked and my head popped up out of the water and I, you know, I breathed and I said, okay, well, this is better. You know, breathing is good. (laughs) So then I started looking for Mark and I was yelling Mark and I looked, I saw his head pop up. Well, in the safety briefing, before we got into the water, I distinctly remember that guy saying, if you fall out of the boat, if two of you fall out of the boat, just hold on to each other's paddles and float down together. You'll eventually get to the side. Just stick together. Right? So what do I do? I listen to instructions. So Mark's head comes up. I'm yelling at him. He's not too far away from me, but he's further than an arm. So he's like, Mark, you know, give me your paddle. He goes, what? give me your paddle so he throws it at me <laughs> he threw it like over my head and i'm like what are you doing and we're both and he starts swimming he makes it all the way to the shore and i'm still trying to gather up his paddle along with mine so he gets on the shore and i finally end up several yards down from him and I, we're laying there on the bank waiting for somebody to come get us and we're both coughing and just really spitting up a lot of water and we sat there and talked and he said joe how close did you come to drowning back there? I said, Mark, I thought I was a goner. I'd already given up. He goes, yeah, me too. And I said, let's not talk about this to Patsy. She probably don't want to hear it. <laughs> knows my wife. And it seems nobody else probably knows that. But So we didn't talk about it for a little while, but we finally said, yeah, we both kind of thought we were goners there. And then it was the next day I choked on that, <laughs> that steak. But, you know, Mark both times, I had two near-death experiences with Mark, so it kind of, brought us a little closer mm-hmm. so but, uh, w- what yeah. happened to everybody else in the boat did anybody else get thrown out nobody else nobody else fell out it was just <laughs> me and mark and i, I mean I, I fancy he and i being the most athletic in the group but we we got bucked out quick everybody else was fine I, I think it was the guy we probably ran our mouths a little too much yeah, yeah. he got us he got us and we we congratulated him on that once we got our composure and got back in the boat we said you know what we probably deserve that. Good. That was a good job. On her. You know, you, you did it right. Thank you. You know, some people have been upset, but Mark and I were actually, we kind of enjoyed it after we realized we weren't dead. Well, we, we probably need to, to let everybody know for those who don't, that when we get together, 
we could be quite uh, overwhelming and maybe even obnoxious. <laughs> well, that was back in the day. I think we've matured a little. We bit. have, we have. But you got, but you got us three yeah. together, or I guess you know, just you and Mark. It, it could, it could be a lot for just about anybody to handle. Well. Any combination of the the Forster brothers were were a lot. If you throw three of us in the mix, it's it's a lot. It, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's about more than most most people can take. You took out a lady on the slopes. I heard a lady in the lazy river slid her by. I mean, it's not intentional. That's right. It just gets rough, right. and it just happens. And, and so, Mark, Mark somehow always avoided hurting people. Me and you tended to. Plow people over, but he was a little more graceful. I think. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. That those those trips to Colorado and uh, and then that one yeah. winter we can't coming back. Oh, oh my gosh! That that when when the big uh, blizzard we were came, my, we were with Madsen. Yeah, and so we're <laughs> we had already you know damaged the good folks snowmobiles. Let's not go there. Let's so, not talk about that one. Um. We're, we're, we're trying to leave and head back over into Colorado Springs and, and, you know, they're telling us, Hey, the, the storm's coming, the blizzard's coming, Floyd Hill's right. going to be closed. Yeah. So we're trying to beat yeah. it. Well, we decided to turn around and go back. But at some point we decided to just go for it and we're stuck on Floyd Hill for hours. That's hours. Right. I mean, so long that, you know, the girls were squatting around in a circle peeing in the road. <laughs> That's right. And I, was, went, I, you know, I walked up to a truck. So, hey man, can I take a leak behind your truck? It's like, yeah, go right there. And so, and you and but you and Mark, y'all took off. I thought y'all were just going to observe things, but y'all yeah. were actually up there pushing cars, basically over the crest of the mountain, right? Well, when we got up there, there were some cars that were just they didn't need far to go before they could get over the hump. And if we could get those out of the way, there were some trucks and stuff that could start moving and so me it wasn't just me and mark but a lot of men that were standing there we all just started talking about hey why don't we just start pushing people i mean where's enough of us here let's just start pushing and so we started pushing and pretty soon it took a little while but we all got over that hill yeah it took a long time i yeah. felt pretty bad when y'all came back i've been sitting there in that warm vehicle i mean we got outside oh, no. we just were sitting there uh, okay uh, I, I'm me and Mark would rather be kind of doing something than sitting. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. Uh, plus I, I really needed to use the bathroom and getting up, moving around kind of kept my mind off of it. <laughs> yeah. That was misery that night. We thought we were going to be sleeping there, yeah. I guess. But... <laughs> that was a bad night. Yeah. That, another reason I needed to move out of Colorado, uh, the snow. <laughs> Tough on a Southern boy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you still don't. But Mark, but Mark, when he came out, he came out to see us um, a couple times. He he enjoyed being out there. But what I enjoyed most was Mark really was a family a family man. You know, he enjoyed being around his family, not only his brothers and mom and dad and and Terry, his sister, but he liked being around his nieces and nephews. And Mark was a good uncle to my kids. I've got we've got a lot of pictures from those trips when he came out to see us. And, we still go through them every now and get every now and then with the kiddos, and because a couple of my kids were so young, they don't they're starting to kind of forget Mark a little bit, I think. And um, you know, but when we show them the pictures, they remember Mark spending time with them. So uh, 
you know, it was it was good to have him come out. It took a lot of effort. You know, he was single, so he didn't have that family dynamic that he had to worry about. So it was nice when he had free time when he would come out and visit. Yeah, I know yeah. you got to spend a lot more time with him because y'all were roommates and stuff. But you know, it, it meant a lot to me and Patsy and the kids to have Mark come spend time with us. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was fun. I know he enjoyed it because I did too when I was there. So I liked traveling with yeah. him and going out there yeah. and seeing y'all. Uh, well, what you, you said you had the pictures and stuff with it. Is that what is what have you done to help your kids? Because you've had a few kids since Mark's death, and then some of yours right. were younger. So, what have you done to help them? You know, to keep his memory alive with them and to teach them about him. You know, um, I probably don't do enough, man. To be honest with you, uh, part of me feels a little bit. I don't know, uncomfortable talking too much about Mark because I know he would not want me to do that. You know, Mark didn't like being the center of attention and um, he'd kind of, I think, would say, hey, why don't y'all just get on with it? You don't have to keep talking about me. I'll be just fine. Um, but we have, I was sitting there the other day in the house. We were kind of straightening up and I looked around and I said, you know, our living room looks kind of like a Mark shrine. <laughs> We've got pictures on the wall of Mark, and almost every shelf has some picture or another. And without even realizing it, I, I believe there's about six pictures of Mark in our living room. Um, and then, you know, in the kids' rooms, we have some pictures up. And, and we do a lot. I guess a lot of it goes unsaid. Um, one of the kids, I can't remember which one, had to do a book report. So they use your book. Uh, I can't remember when we did that, if it was last year or the year before, but um, that was nice because they had to read it, and I helped them write it. And um, there have been other instances where they needed to write about a, you know, one of their heroes, and I've encouraged them to use Mark as that example. And I know at least one of the kids has done that. They're, they're, our kids, between the, the four that are in school now, there's probably been four or five book reports or either some kind of essay written about Mark just out of here so i probably don't do enough but you know he's definitely visible in our house yeah yeah good well and he is here too and you know we we all at least have uh we have that portrait that phil taylor painted for us from the american fallen yep. soldiers project and yeah that, that was nice that we all got a copy of that and so of course then the plenty of other pictures we have and um, I wanted to tell you about one that, or two, you know, sometimes do you, does something, do you, something ever happen or you see something you're, man, I wish I could tell Mark about that. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I do that all the time. Or maybe you're yeah. even, even instinctively, you start to think I'm going to call Mark and tell him. Mm-hmm. I still do that. Yeah. Okay. I, I have that happen. And, but I kept thinking this happened to me, but actually it was Mark. This happened to when we were living together in Tuscaloosa. He came in and told me he saw this truck going down the road over the bridge. And there was this rather, it was a pickup truck and a rather large lady. There was a mattress in the back of it. And a rather large lady was lay, laying spread eagle on the mattress, holding, holding it in. Holding it up? <laughs> yeah, it's just driving over the bridge. You know, so he's going regular speed. You're probably at least 50 miles an hour. Anyway, oh, my goodness. Mark just oh that just got him. He loved that one. But he did, he didn't get a picture of it. Couldn't get a picture. But that, that's always a funny story for me to think about. 
Mark would laugh at that. And then one time, uh, me and Mark went to to Utah together, and we were in downtown Salt Lake City. And he had a you know a friend or two there he was wanting to see, and um, but it was just he and I. And we walked out of Temple Square, and there was a, there was a guy standing there with some sign. He was protesting something. You know, there's always somebody down there doing that. And I served there as a missionary, and so we didn't really, you know, engage those guy people. But I wasn't a missionary at this time. It was years later, and I was like, oh, I'm going to check this out. So he had some stupid calls. He was fighting against the LDS church, and so me and Mark just started in heckling him. And we could we could do it, as you can imagine, I mean, because you'd be the same way. We could kind of feed off each other really good. And then the dude, mm-hmm. the guy started getting angry, and, and 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 he deserved everything he got. Right? He he, he started pointing at us. Well, he was missing. Mm-hmm. His index finger was cut off. At least halfway, it was, oh, it was missing. Oh no! So Mark laughed at him and and gave him a hard time about that. And and the guy was just really just like full of um, just yeah. hate, anger. Anyway, yeah. we heckled yeah. him and and we walked off. And the guy's like, "Y'all have a nice day." And he Mark's like, "Don't say that when you really want to get hit by a car." Uh, but he, anyway, he, he picked up his stuff and he left. And I was like, Mark, I hope we, I hope we, you know, did a good enough job with him. But I don't know. And Mark said that he packed up his stuff and left. I was like, Yeah, but his shift might have been over, so maybe he was planning on leaving anyway. But anyway, that was that was that was a fun time. So uh, yeah. one thing too is you were when Mark was looking at joining the military, he talked to you a lot. Yeah. So, well, what did y'all well, talk about, and how did he get down to combat control? Well, um, you know, I kept trying to encourage Mark to either go to medical school or dental school, and um, and he, you know, he kind of hemmed and hawed. He, but once he decided he wanted to join the military, when that when that hit him. Um, he, he knew right away he wanted to be in some sort of special forces or special operations. And of course, we'd all heard of Navy SEALs, so I think he was kind of leaning that way. Well, since I'm, I'm in the Air Force, I said, Mark, look, bud, you need, if you're going to join the military, get into the Air Force so that you can get a marketable skill. I mean, being a Navy SEAL is great, but what do you have when you get out? Are you going to be a mercenary? What are you going to be when you get out? And, I was a little ignorant to exactly what the Navy SEALs did, everything as well. So, um, But I thought, we need to find you a job in the Air Force that will give you a skill when you get out that's marketable. But I really encouraged him, like everyone else, get your degree first. Um, so he was working towards his degree, and he came down to visit me. I was at Lackland, and this would have been... I said, this has been 2005, 2006, somewhere around there, I believe. And I'd heard of the PJs, and I knew the PJs had a schoolhouse there at Lackland. So I called around, and they said, yeah, just bring your brother by. We'd be glad to show him around. So Mark came to visit. I took him over there to the PJ house. Didn't know anyone there, really, but dropped him off. And I told Mark, well, I guess I'll come back and pick you up later. And I came back, and he got in the truck, and he goes, I know what I want to do. I want to be a combat controller. And I'm like, what is a combat controller? So he started to tell me, and he told me that the the guy at the PJs, after walking him around, he goes, man, we'd love to have you in the PJs, but why don't you go down the street here and go to the combat control school? And 
um, Mark went down, and that's where he realized. I believe that's where he made his decision that, hey, this is the job I want. It just really impressed him, the the caliber of individuals that were there. Um, I wish I knew who it was that gave him that tour. I do, too. Do you happen to know who that was? No, I, no clue. I don't know. Maybe he's listening, but I, I don't know who toured him around that day. Had I known how this would have all worked out, I would I would have gone back and written down their names. But um, I'll be honest, there was a selfish reason why I wanted him to join the Air Force. And I never really verbalized this to him or to anyone else. But in my mind, I said, you know, we hear every day of Navy SEAL and Green Beret and all these guys getting killed in action. But we don't hear anything about Air Force guys getting killed. So they must not be going into harm's way. This was, I'm active duty in the medical corps, which is very different than the operational side of, of the military, but I was completely naive to the job that PJs or combat controllers do. And I selfishly pushed him towards the Air Force because I didn't think he would be in harm's way, at least not to the extent that the special forces and other, the other branches are. So little did I know how this would work out. If had I known, I certainly wouldn't have encouraged it. But mm-hmm. uh, that's once he made up his mind, there was no talking him out of it. So I kept pushing him to get your degree, and I kept thinking, well, he's going to meet a girl, he's going to get married, and that'll be the end of this madness. He, you know, he'll give up this this dream of joining, you know, special tactics. But that didn't happen. <laughs> He did get married. He did, and he uh, ended up enlisting. And I, I tried to get him to go in as an officer, and he didn't want to do that either. So he oh, enlisted. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's that hard head again. Yeah. Well. Once I... he made up, once he once he made up his mind, it's just like when he was a little kid. When he made up his mind, he was he was going to do it, and True. then nothing none of us could have done to talk. We couldn't have talked him out of it if we even, even tried. Well, I think lots of people tried at least to get him to to go in as an officer. And I didn't Correct, even really yeah. know what that meant, but I tried to. No, well, you know, I think it's, you know, it's, it's the officer side, maybe make a little more money, maybe a little less dangerous. And maybe that's true to some extent, but as you and I have gotten to know a lot of combat controllers and other special tactics operators, officer enlisted alike, they're all, they're all putting their neck out on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, we, we had perceptions that turn out to be wrong. That's right. I mean, our our, yeah. our lives have been open to a whole new world with yeah. all these different people we've met and continue to meet the jobs they do. Um, Absolutely. So when uh, there was a lot of things happening that from, okay, so Mark was killed on a Wednesday. His funeral mm-hmm. was not until the next Thursday, so eight days later. And uh, like October seventh, I think, and so that was you know they had they there was an autopsy performed. We never knew when he was gonna his body was gonna be brought back home to Haleville. So when it was, um, you being in the military were able to escort Mark Mark's body from Dover to Haleville, and right. uh, and you know I, we call that that's part of the angel flight or that specific. Uh, flight was the dignified arrival, correct? 
Um, dig, is it the Dignified Transfer? One of those. I think the I'm Dignified sure Transfer was to Dover, and the rival was to yeah, Louisville. Yeah, I believe you're right. So, and this is, you know, a lot of people yeah. just don't know. I think most people aren't aware of, you know, notifications and then the angel flight. And so you, yeah. from what I understand, you flew back up there, I, I, I guess, yeah. from, from Haleville. Yeah, you flew from Haleville, right, yeah. to Dover. I flew from Haleville. Okay. I was up there with the family. And, you know, the, I was I, here again, never experiencing anything like that before. I found out it was it's actually an official duty for military members to do that, to be part of that flight. So I was put on orders. I still have those orders. I, I keep those in my desk at work and um, where that was my assignment. My duty was to escort Mark's body back home. So, of course, I went in full uniform, and that was a very special time for me. I, I personally did a lot of, you know, a lot of praying, a lot of uh, meditating as we, as I was riding on that plane, it was just, there were two pilots. It was a very small, small plane. And then it was me and Mark in the back. I could sit there with my hand on the casket and, you know, I didn't audibly talk to him, but in my mind, I tried to just talk to him a little bit. And I gained, I gained a lot of closure for that. I, I feel bad for the rest of the family who didn't have that opportunity to do it. I wish we all could have. Because that was a few hours in the air where it's just me and him, and um, that was a mm-hmm. that's something that I'll I'll always cherish that memory. What was it, the it fades a little bit? It fades a little bit. Um, I was very nervous to begin with, and by nervous, maybe I was more anxious it, because it was real, you know. Before, I don't know knowing we were going home to a funeral made it seem more like reality for a while there. It just seemed like a bad dream mm-hmm. that we, that we would eventually wake up from, but, um, sitting there and talking with him, uh, you know, it, it became that sucked in, I think completely for me I had an opportunity, but, by the time that flight landed and we came into Haleville and we circled the airport and saw there was a bunch of people gathered out there. I don't know how many, but from the air, it looked like a, you know, a whole lot of people. And it, by the time I landed, I, I was at peace. Uh, you know, I wish you, you would have had that opportunity that I had. And, um, it was pretty special. There's, it's hard to describe. There are some personal moments that, and some things that came to me that I felt and um, just some, maybe some inspiration that I felt like I, I had while I was there that just helped comfort me. Uh, I, I guard a lot of things personal and I, I don't share a lot. I talk to my wife about some of the feelings I had when I was there. And uh, maybe one day offline I can talk to you as well, but I am. Uh, by the time I landed, bad I was at I was at peace, and to come off that plane and see everyone standing there, um, you know, I, I shed some more tears, but I did most of my grieving there in the back of that plane, and was able to get through it. So mm. I don't allow myself many much time to 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 shed many tears anymore. I know that sounds callous, but around this time of year, around the twenty ninth, I'll. I'll find a quiet moment somewhere, and that's when I'll I'll allow myself to, uh, you know, grieve a little bit. 
Yeah, nothing wrong and with that. Be, and, and then I'll lock it up for another year. Yep, you got to lock it up. Yep. That's right. <laughs> That's yeah, right. Well, Mark, seen... Mark, I, could, I, could, I could hear Mark saying that to us. You, you know he would. Right. If, if we started, um, you know, getting a little emotional, he'd lean over and say, hey, you better lock it up. Yep, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we do. And, you know, yeah. we still do that to each other now. And um, I, I tell Daddy that because Daddy can't hardly get through a conversation without getting choked up. And that's odd for you and me, right? Because did we ever see Daddy get choked up no. in his life? No, never. So to, see, so to see Dad get emotional is one kind of terrifying and two it just is just not what we're used to so we're always telling dad lock it up <laughs> lock it up <laughs> change the subject change the subject let's talk about football <laughs> well, so, I, yeah that that morning at the airport it was relatively early you know when yeah. when y'all came in and uh, did you go up the day before or did you yeah. just leave at like three in the morning or something? Gosh, man! Now you're really testing my memory. I don't remember. I think I, think I left the day, the day before. before. Okay. I spent the night there, and then the next morning early. Yeah, that's why I, I'm almost sure that's what happened. But to be honest, it's a little bit. I don't remember those kind of details. Okay, so you never, you didn't see Mark the day before. You didn't see that you weren't there until you met the casket to get ready to go on the plane. Is that right? Meaning see the casket before yeah yeah or yeah no no okay. i didn't okay i did not until they brought him onto the plane okay so when y'all arrived and it was pretty early in the morning and i remember um this was in this was like early october and it was a pretty cool morning and i didn't have clothes. Yeah. i wasn't prepared i didn't have yeah, my clothes, cold. you know so uh yeah. but when we were driving to the airport there in haleville and for those who don't know, this is obviously a very small little municipal airport um, out, you know, there's not much around it. There's a golf course, country club, and there were some people standing out in their yard with a sign or with a, a flag or something now. And then mm -hmm. the Patriot Guard riders were there, some of them. And that's a yeah. whole other topic that I could go in detail, but I've, I've definitely talked about it in the book. I've talked, I've, there's videos out there of the PGR and, and what went on behind the scenes and, you know, how early they were in town for everything. But yeah, they were there and, um, it was an incredible thing to be, to, I guess, to be part of. And, um, yeah, I remember you getting in the vehicle with us with, it was mom and dad. And I guess me and Roz and you jumped in and you or you and Patsy jumped in. And so, yeah. uh, and you definitely seemed at peace, but, you know, the support we saw driving down the road from there to the funeral hall. There were people everywhere yeah. on the sides of the road. It was incredible. Yeah. That, the, the town really came out yeah, to sure support, did. you know, to, to recognize Mark and support our family. It was uh, made you proud to be from Haleville, Alabama that day. It did. It did. There were signs. You know, every church or building that had those signs where you put the different letters up. So right. can, I mean, it was all something about Mark or the Forster family. And it stayed up for a long time. Yeah. They, they, yeah. Yeah, you know, we had, I mean, there were, you know, the cleaners, the dry cleaners wouldn't charge any money for cleaning. A lady from barbershop <laughs> call or from a hairstylist called and said, hey, is there anybody there that needs some haircuts? We want to cut your hair. 
And I took Chad Hall and uh, Calvin Markham up there. And they got haircuts, and they wouldn't let them pay, so they ended up like buying <laughs> something from them. Uh, anyway, just 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 great folks. No, they really were great town. So, uh, what? Any, has there really been anything that you've learned about Mark since that you just didn't know? You know, there's that one story that stands out that I had never heard when he was down in Biloxi at Keesler Air Force Base doing training. And Mark, um, I mean, he at the time, I don't know if he was an A1C, an airman first class, or a senior airman, but still fairly young in the enlisted ranks. Although Mark was, you know, in his late 20s, in the enlisted ranks, he was young in the Air Force. And um, they were at a... I believe a little restaurant, little family type restaurant eating and, um, you know, a bunch of military guys together and they were getting a little bit rowdy. And I guess some of them were, um, you know, saying some things that were probably not appropriate for a family restaurant. And there were families sitting around. And if I, if I remember the story correctly, uh, Mark, you know, kind of stood up and said, Hey, you know, knock it off. We're better than this. There's families around here. And what what struck me in this story was that no one told him to sit down. No one was offended. They complied. And they calmed down. And they realized, you know, Mark is right. We're better than this. And they continued on with their meal and had a, you know, and they were able to get through it and still have fun and not be, not be offensive to those around them. But, but people were not offended by Mark doing that because while mark um before i say that um ish Vegas and emily adams came to visit me a couple months after mark died i was at, at lackland at the hospital and they just showed up one day and we went to lunch and they said joseph we wanted to talk to you about mark and i said okay they said you know how when somebody dies we all tend to remember the good things and only say the good things. You don't go up to a guy's family who just got killed and tell him what a jerk he was. Right? So you always mention the good things. I said, yeah, I do. I know how that that's human nature. That's the right thing to do. And they said, yes, but we want you and your family to know that all of these things you're hearing about Mark, there's not something that we're not telling you. That's really who Mark was. We know you remember him as that wholesome, good man, and that's how we know him, too. Even in battle, while he was aggressive and, um, you know, demonstrative, he never lost his morals. He never compromised who he was. And... I told them at the time, you know, I really appreciate you sharing that with me. I didn't ask them that question. They didn't have to come tell me that, but that had been on my mind. And I was really worried that we as a family were maybe building him up to be something he really wasn't. I didn't know because we knew, we knew him as a brother. Right. So, but so when they told me that I felt, I felt so much better um, knowing that he left this world um, not compromised, that he stayed true to how mom and dad raised him. And 
that meant a lot to me, you know, simple things like his coworkers would just try to get him to say a cuss word, you know, and he got mad. I guess, why do you try to keep getting me to cuss? You know, I'm not going to do it. I mean, this is a grown man in special operations. And the bad thing that his guy, his friends are trying to get him to do is say a cuss word. Yeah. <laughs> That's that. I wish I was that good. Okay. I wish, I wish I was as strong as that. So I use our little brother as kind of a, uh, a role model for myself that, uh, even though, you know, he, he's younger, but I still look up to him. So anyway, I, 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 I said enough about that, but he, uh, that those things that we heard after he died, things that I didn't know he had done and said, the fact that everyone loved him, even though he did not participate in certain things. Yeah. yeah. But the thing you always heard about Mark was that he wasn't judgmental. He wasn't, you know, um, pushy with his religion or his beliefs. He simply lived what he believed. And he didn't judge others harshly for not living that same way. He was still friends with them. He encouraged, and it, it, he had a he was a he had a special personality that attracted people to him, and people felt better for being around him. Mm-hmm. And and that really is a unique. Uh, those are unique characteristics to have as many good qualities in one man as uh, as Mark, the way we know him, and the way his friends remember him. Yeah, yeah. So, I, 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 you know, we, me and you had talked about that. We worried that people were going to think we were just trying to build him up because he was our brother, and we don't say bad things about people who die. But, oh, yeah. You know, by all accounts, and he, um, he stayed true. Yeah. And now that's our, that should be our charge going forward is to be like Mark, to try and, to try and live the type of life that he lived. And if we, you and I can get through this life saying that, I think we'll be okay. Yeah. I mean, even I think about it too. I mean, he, he motivates me. Like when I'm working out, I think about yeah. you know, how Mark transformed his body. And of course, he, you know, in his, in his career, he, he had to do some serious working out. And so it helps push my, push me a little more. <laughs> Anybody who knew Mark growing up, I mean, to look at his senior portrait hanging on mom's wall. Um, <laughs> he went through a metamorphosis. Yeah, yeah. From, he did. from from the time he left for his mission at nineteen until the time he joined the military, it, it it's hard to recognize that same kid. It is. I mean, he he really put in hours to transform his physique. I mean, it was. <laughs> I was I was a little bit jealous, um, but not jealous enough to work as hard as he did. <laughs> well, he did. He got serious about it. I mean, you tight. He did. You, I mean, flat stomach and broad shoulders. And... Yeah. Yeah, it was always a little unnerving when we'd be at mom's pool and my wife would say, "Hey, Mark, why don't you just take your shirt off?" <laughs> I'm like, I'm sitting right here. I mean. <laughs> I hear everything you're saying. <laughs> she goes, "Oh, he's 
Oh, it's nothing. He's like my little brother. I said, Why don't you ask your other brothers to take their shirts off? <laughs> so, hey, my but wife. of course, and Mark would and, hey, and Mark would comply and take his shirt off. Oh, oh sure. thanks, Mark. He, appreciate he it. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, my wife and her sister did the same thing. Yeah, well, I can't say that I blame them. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so, so what? What do you think was going through Mark's head? during those final moments, those intense moments? Well, I think that because he had lived the kind of life he had lived up to that point, I highly doubt he had any regrets knowing what might happen. I I fully suspect he was at peace with, with the Lord. And I would imagine being what he, doing what he was doing, where he was doing it, he knew every day he got up could be his last. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was prepared to die, having no regrets. But knowing Mark and how hard-headed he is or was, I doubt he thought he was actually going to die. I guarantee you he thought he could go out into that open area, find Calvin, retrieve him, and take out all the bad guys and not get hurt. (laughs) I could just see in his head. I I doubt he expected to die, but he was prepared for it if it happened. It's kind of how I see it. I, um, Hey, uh, I don't know. What about you? What have you thought as you've thought about that? I just, you know, I've thought about it a lot too. And just, just an opinion is that he, I feel like he, um, he, it was like, I, I got, I got work to do. I mean, here I, I've got a, That's right. this yeah. is, this is the mission. This is what I'm here to do. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of a matter of fact, I think there probably was some fear in there. But nothing that would distract him or cause him to not do what he felt he needed to do. And so he was working. He was doing his job. And, I, you know, I, of course, I don't know what all was going on. I'm sure there was some confusion. Yeah. There, there, you know, who knows? But there was also a lot of determination and bravery. And probably not just by him, but, but you know, others that were sure. somewhere around there. The sad thing, I don't Remember that video, the helmet cam footage we have where they're in that, that gunfight and, um, there's the, the Afghani army guys hunkering down behind the wall and just yeah. sticking their gun up and shooting. And Mark is telling them, no, no, you know, you got to look at them and shoot them and he's showing them how and he's pacing. You know, he, we can tell from the helmet, he's just pacing back and forth and he's talking on the radio and he's going up to the Humvee and talking to the, the officer that was in there. And he never stopped moving. And he also never took cover, if you remember. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if Mark was scared. And what makes me think about that is one of his friends, it may have been Bobby, that told me, Joseph, you wouldn't have recognized him out there. When he got into a fight, it was like a, a, a switch flipped, and he went into beast mode, um, and it became 
it, you're right. It was he had a mission to do, and he he was going to do it, and nothing was going to stop him. And that's that hard headedness. And so I, you know, when when Calvin wasn't responding, or however Mark realized that Calvin wasn't wasn't responding or there, he couldn't see him. I doubt he ever gave it much of a thought. I bet he hit that door as soon as you know they were he could because that was the right thing to do in yeah, his mind. I do too. And I, I but I don't think he had any thought of dying. I don't think he thought he could he was gonna die that day. That's just my opinion. But I'm convinced he was at peace with it. Sure. And if that was his day if he if that was his day he was ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, I mean, he had definitely he knew the realities. At some point, if it wasn't that day, he knew him when he left, and so mm-hmm. yeah, he was he was as prepared as anybody could be. And you know, and their stories we won't talk about them now, but we could go on and on just about like, the, but they're in the book. You know, of what went on that day earlier. You know, with them. Right. You know, uh, you know, I guess singing to Guns N' Roses and asking the pilots their favorite groups and, you know, Mark jumping out in the middle of the field like a big dummy, he says, hey, we're, I'm right here in the big in the <laughs> middle of the field like a big dummy and just mm-hmm. trying to to pinpoint so the pilots could see where he and his team were. So, I mean, here, I mean, he he really was. I think he was in his element for sure. He was he was made for that, he, that role. And by all accounts, he wasn't careless. Yeah, yeah, right. But he was, but he was fearless, and he was relentless in accomplishing the mission. But I worried about that. I, I've asked several of his teammates. I asked, um, you know, Wes Wilson, who was his team captain. I said, "Was he careless?" And he goes, "No, absolutely not. He was very careful, but he was relentless." So that that meant a lot to me as well that he wasn't just out looking for to catch a bullet he was actually you know following his training following the plan not putting his teammates at risk um you know by all accounts i wasn't there obviously but um i don't know all of those things for me give me a little bit of solace i'm knowing how mark died knowing the circumstances around it i mean i I miss my brother but I, i get a lot of solace i know i don't know if mom and dad do but just knowing the circumstances has helped me a lot. Yeah. Um, feel, feel some pride in it. I mean, obviously I'd rather have him back. <laughs> I would have rather him not gone. I'd have been, I'd have loved him just as much, obviously, but, um, you know, we, we're pretty lucky in that we've been given a lot of insight into his life downrange and how he died. And I don't know that all families get that. No. I mean, there are a lot of a lot of people lose family members and never know the circumstances around it. And we we've been blessed um, in that we we've been given ample information. Yeah, he wasn't captured. You know, he wasn't right. tortured. As far as yeah, we know, I mean, he didn't suffer. My goodness, the families that have to go through stuff like that, I couldn't imagine what that would be like. So, I know. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if you got to lose someone, um, we, we've, we've been given a lot of information and, and um, new friends that have helped us through it. 
Yep. Well, let's let's wrap it up, bro. Um, anything you want to say in closing? No. I appreciate you doing this, Dad, and for asking me to participate. I hesitated, but you've done so much for the family by yourself. You um, have really taken on that role, um, and I appreciate you doing it. And I thought about it, and I talked to my wife, and I said, you know, as bad as I hate to hear my voice recorded, and I don't like to open up too much about personal stuff, I'm going to do this with Dad. And uh, I appreciate you asking me to do it. (laughs) Well, shoot, I'm glad. I mean, I, I was. I hope that it's good for you too, because I mean, appreciate you doing. It. I mean, it's obviously not convenient. I mean, this is late at night, and uh, we're both tired, and I'm, I'm sure you're more tired than I am. And but crap, bro, I mean, nobody. I don't. I can't stand hearing my voice when I go back and listen to these things. <laughs> um, I'm like, good gosh, Dad, come on, get the spit your words out. But yeah. But anyway, I, let's. Um, I guess we'll wrap it up. And, and by the way, well, when, I, I, when I finish, hang on too because i'm oh, yeah. well i choked on a i choked a little bit earlier uh, something went down the wrong pipe when i was eating and so my my voice is a little bit uh a little bit raspy tonight too but this was <laughs> worth doing i appreciate you doing it good good well um i just uh, there's a lot more to mark that the so listeners you go get check out his book my brother in arms there's plenty about him online at markaforster.com. This podcast is not about Mark. Now, this episode is, but the podcast was not created to be about Mark. It's about great people that we've met, you, most of them because of Mark, but but not all of them. So uh, Mark definitely influenced the creation of this podcast, um, but you know, there's a lot of great people we want to highlight. But today, we want to honor our brother and remember him. And so learn more about him at markaforester.com. Uh, there's plenty of videos on YouTube, online about him. Uh, National Geographic has done a, did an episode of their series that was called Eyewitness War back in 2013. And Mark's is, uh, I think his is called Fallen Hero. And so there's a big segment on there about him with some helmet cam footage. Uh, Lifetime Channel did a show on Mark back in 2011 called Coming Home. And uh, his his episode is called what was it called? Oh, the trip. I forgot what it's called. It was episode number three or four. I forgot what it's called right now. Paying tribute. That was the name of it. Paying tribute. That's it. That's um, it. There is a a one six scale warrior being created of Mark right now by Black Ops Toys. That's going to be coming out. I mean, shoot. It'll it'll be there'll be pre orders coming out very soon. The the, the it's awesome. You've seen yeah. some some pictures. I'm, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get one of those myself. Man, they are. They are, it is so cool. The detail and you know, the yeah. moles on his face, yeah. and so um, <laughs> there's a lot out there. And uh, so please feel free. I would love for you to learn more about him. Order his book. From, you can order it from the website Mark A. Forrester, or you can order it from from um, Amazon, or just go to your Daggum bookstore. You can buy it if you want. If they don't have it, they'll order it for you. You can also get it on Kindle. So. Uh, Anyway, it's been good. And Joseph, by the way, I've had this during at least half of this conversation. I've had this shaking in my stomach, and it was the same feeling I had like for weeks, you know, from his death on. The anxiety, the I don't know why, just the, yeah, just the anxiousness, the no time to sit and rest because there's always mm-hmm. tons to do. And by the way, I had some time with Mark too. I don't know if you know that, but I did get up one morning early and went to the funeral home early, early, early. 
because I knew Tim Peaker got up early, and so I, I just I got kind I of there, there were people everywhere, you know, all the time. Right. And which was, you know, hey, I mean, people were great, but I needed some a long time, some quiet time, so I took it. I think it, it actually it was the day of the funeral, so it was that Thursday morning. I went up there early and spent some time, so that was good. Yeah, well, good. I didn't know you'd done that. All right, bro. Well, thank you for doing it. Thanks for talking so late. I hope you get some rest. And everybody listening to the podcast, thank you. Please go rate it. Please subscribe and uh, tune in for another episode that will be about some other great American.